like three of you. Okay, so let's get started today. We are wrapping up our series today called Sound On, Unmuting God's Voice. And we said, hey, you're going into 2020, new year, new you, boo, all that good stuff. But one of the things we said is we want this year to be the year of the Bible. Uh, We want to go deeper in God's Word. We want to go deeper in His presence. We want to find what you might consider that sweet spot. David called it a secret place. Finding that secret place in God so that this year could be the greatest year of your life spiritually connecting with God. One of the ways we do that is by hearing God's voice. Hearing Him when He speaks to us. And the number one question that believers all the time ask is, How do I know if it's God's voice? I mean, is it me? Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it the burritos and tacos and pizza I ate last night? How do I know if it's God? And so we've been walking on this journey the past several weeks talking about that. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. If you have your iPads, you can click there. If you got your iPhones, you can click there. If you got eyelids, get them right here behind me. Amen. So John chapter 10 Verses 3 through 5, kind of been a theme verse for us, if you will, through this series. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, what do they do? They listen to his voice. And again, this is the journey we've been on the past several weeks, hearing and knowing the voice of God. He calls out all his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. That is a key phrase there in that verse. He goes on ahead of them. And this is a dynamic that you absolutely need in your life for 2020. That God is ahead of you, not you ahead of God. So God goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We also said in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, what do, what do I need to do? Listen for God's voice when in everything you do and in everywhere you go. Why? Because he is the one who can keep you on track. So that's why it's so important to know and hear and listen to the voice of God. And so let me do a quick recap. So several weeks ago, we started this series in week one. We started talking about the six different ways that God speaks to us. One of the ways that he speaks to us is he always speaks through his Word. There you go. So that's why we have created in our app, in the Bible app, or excuse me, in our Bridge app, if you go to that, there is a one-year Bible reading plan. It's still not too late. If you haven't done that, jump in. Get involved in that. Get in God's Word. Again, that's one of the ways He speaks to us. So again, knowing that God speaks, knowing the ways that He speaks, then we have to position ourselves To be able to hear from God. And so we talked about Habakkuk. And there was five things that he did to position himself to hear from God. So now we know God speaks. Now we've positioned ourselves. What do we do next? I mean, we get the impression. We get this idea. Is it God? Is it the pizza? Which one is it? So last week, we talked about the seven different filters that you run that through. Remember, we gave out the books last week. Just kind of an FYI. We have some more books of 
available today for you. If you did not get one last week and you want one, just come right out here. Our hospitality crowd, our VIP uh, ladies are out there to assist you with that. But we do have some more books. So we talked about the seven filters. And in those seven filters, we said, if it doesn't pass through all seven filters, what? Drop it. Walk away from it. If it does pass through the seven filters, even if it's impossible, go for it. So now we've been on this journey. So now what do we do? We've, we, we know God is speaking. There's different ways he speaks to us. We've positioned ourselves. We've run it through the seven filters. It all passed. So now what's next? Here's what you need to understand. There's always a faith factor to it. There's always that moment where you've got to be willing to step out in faith. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 29, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus says everything is possible for the person who has faith. So we all have faith. And some of you are like, well, pastor, no, that's wrong. I don't have any faith. You're wrong because the Bible says to each person has been given a measure of faith. So we all have faith. Here's the thing that you have to understand. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't work your muscle, if you don't do anything with it, what happens? That muscle will shrivel up and die. But if you work that muscle, if you stretch that muscle, then that muscle will grow. It'll get stronger and it will build. So we all have faith. So how do we build our faith? Here's a question. How does God build my faith? Well, there's a process through that, and that process involves six different phases. You have to walk through six phases for God to build your faith. Here's the thing to understand about these phases, though. If you bail out in the middle, if you bail out when things get hard, then you're never going to accept or receive what God has for you. You're never going to walk into that area that God has put into your heart to walk into. So what are these phases? Well, let's look at them today. The six phases. In order to build your faith, here's phase number one dream. It's the dream phase. This is how it always begins. God will come and speak to your heart. He'll give you an ambition. He'll give you a desire. He'll give you a goal. He'll give you something to go after. It's, it's really called a vision. There's an image of a preferred future and you see that and it develops passion inside of you. And you say, man, that's a dream. I want to go after it. For some of you, while you saw those pictures of Belize a few moments ago and you heard Pastor Jerry talking about going on the mission trip. For some of you, there was a dream in your heart that just birthed and you you were like, man, I want to go. I want to be a part of that. That is a dream. And that's where it all starts. All throughout the scriptures, we see God doing this. Noah dreamed of building an ark. Man, it never rained before. They didn't know what rain was, but he had a dream of building the first ever floating zoo. Moses dreamed of setting the slaves free. Jabez dreamed of acquiring land. Gideon dreamed of freeing his nation. Here's what you have to understand. Nothing starts happening until someone starts dreaming. Nothing starts happening until someone starts dreaming. So in other words, do you realize that right now you're sitting in someone's dream? You're wearing someone's dream. We are, we are in this place because someone had a dream. Nothing starts happening until someone starts dreaming and going after it. So how do I know if the dream's from God? Let me give you the scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God is what? 
able, God is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. So in other words, if God gives you a dream, it's going to be a lot bigger than what you think it is. It's always going to be bigger than what you think it is. Now again, it needs to line up with the scripture. It needs to agree with God's word. It needs to fit into God's will for your life. But when God gives you a dream, in order for that dream to come a pass, it will always require faith on your part. It always requires you to be able to step out and do something for God. Why? Because the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we've got to be willing to stretch. We've got to be willing to go. So God will give you a dream and that dream will be so big that it's going to require faith on your part to be able to accomplish that. The fact is, God speaks to people all of the time. Maybe you're in here today and God is speaking into your heart. And He's saying, hey, I have a dream for you. But because of your lack of faith, it blocks that communication between you and God. So God wants to speak to you. And again, the first step of of strengthening and building that faith is dreaming. One of the greatest examples in the 20th century of that is a gentleman by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. who stood up in the Washington Mall and he said, "Man Man will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he says, I have a dream that one day little black boys and little white boys will hold hands and they'll mingle together and they'll do life together. And all you've got to do is look around at this congregation. You are living in someone's dream right now because a man had a dream. And here we are years later, we are experiencing the fruit of that. It starts with the dream. Turn to somebody and say, God's got a dream for you. God's got a dream for you. God wants the rest of your life to be the best of your life. So you've got to ask yourself, how can I live my life that's going to literally impact the world? Go after the dream. So that's the first phase is the dream phase. Here's the second phase is the decision phase. This is the moment of truth. You understand dreams are worthless until you wake up and do something. You've got to be willing to decide. You've got to be willing to make a choice. Most people, all they do is dream and dream and dream and never make a decision. The old timers used to say, I'm fixing to. Come on, how do you remember that? I'm fixing to get up and go. I'm fixing to go over here. I'm fixing to do that. Brother, you've been fixing to do stuff for 50 years. You ain't done nothing yet. So you've got to make a decision. You've got to believe that it's God who's given you the dream and not doubt. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 8 says, You must believe and not doubt. You understand? This is faith. Faith is a verb. It's active, not passive. It's something you do, not something you wait for. And so when you make a decision based on God's dream and He's given it to you and you take that step, there's two things that basically are required of you. Two things this phase involves. Number one, you have to decide to invest. Decide to invest time, money, reputation, life based on the dream that God has given to you. But then you have to let go of some things. Come on, this is the hard part. You've got to be willing to let go of some things. You've got to be willing to step out into the unknown. You've got to be willing. It's, it's almost like the trapeze artist. How many of you, you ever seen a trapeze artist? And they're, and they're swinging through the air. There's always that moment though... Where that trapeze artist will let go of what is safe. 
He'll let go of what's comfortable. He'll let go of what's familiar. And for a split second, they're in midair. And it's called the faith zone. You're in midair until the other bar connects with your hands. And this is what it's like when you make that decision. You've got to be willing to let go of some things. You've got to be willing to say, God, you've given me this dream. It is way bigger than what I can ever dream or imagine. But Father, I'm believing in you and I'm willing to ride in the faith zone and let go of what's comfortable. It's the faith zone. Fact is, there are a lot of people who have dreams in the world, but very few people go after it. Statistics say only one out of ten people will actually go after the dream that God has given to them. you got to be willing to go after it. Abraham left a place of comfort and ease to a place that God said, Hey, go on out here. Take a walk. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. All right. So he's walking out in the middle of nowhere. Moses left a place of comfort in the palace to lead the slaves out. Nehemiah left a pie-eating job to go build a wall. Peter left the safety of the boat to walk out to Jesus, to walk in a space that everybody else is sinking in. You understand, these are not just dreamers, they're decision makers. So if you want to be able to walk on the water, you got to first step out of the boat. You've got to get out in that place of faith where you don't know, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what's going to happen, but you make a decision to jump. You make a decision. So first phase is you start dreaming. The second phase is you make the decision in your mind. I'm going after it. Here's the third phase. Here's the delay phase. Come on, it's about to get real good right now. It's the delay phase. There's always a waiting period. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this. Here's what God says. But these things I plan, they won't happen right away. I know that's hard for some of us because we are a microwave generation. That's why they invented air fryers in Jesus' name. It won't happen right away. You know, I remember growing up, and I know I'm dating myself, but but man, I had a great-great-grandmother called Big Mama. I don't know why they called her that. She wasn't no bigger than my finger, but she was called Big Mama. And Big Mama used to cook fried chicken every day. Fried chicken, homemade ladies, mashed potatoes, homemade cornbread, and she would always have a bucket of lard. Come on, is anybody? Ain't no virgin olive oil in that house. Lard. And I don't even know if Grandma, if Big Mama washed her hands. It really didn't matter. She would just take her hands, scoop out the lard, and drop it in the frying pan. And it would take a good little while. But once you sat down, it was prepared. It was ready. Grease running all down your chin in Jesus' name. But nowadays, we microwave. Come on. How many of you remember the TV dinners? A little Salisbury steak, a little potato, a little block of ice. Put it in the microwave, two minutes, bone appetit, baby. But that's how we are. But when you're in this phase, he said, hey, it won't happen right away. Slowly, steady, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. So you get this dream and you're excited and you're passionate and you make a decision, but now it's time to wait on God. How many of you people love to wait? Nobody likes to wait. We, 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 we have one of these red veins that pop out right here in the middle of our forehead every time we stop in traffic. 
Nobody likes to wait, but you have to understand that waiting on God is part of the process. Waiting for God to do something in your heart. Do something in your life. Waiting for God to prepare the way. Here's the thing you need to understand. If you're willing to wait on God, you will graduate with a diploma. And the diploma for you is a stronger, deeper faith. That's what you have. Man, Noah waited 120 years for the raindrop. Can you imagine my brother preaching the same sermon for 120 years? And in the middle of that time, somewhere in the middle, he starts building a boat. Noah waited. Abraham was promised a son. That joker was 99 years old when the promise finally came. Moses spent 40 years in the desert tending sheep. He was set free only to spend 40 more years in the desert waiting to see the promised land. Joseph had a dream that that he would one day rule the nation. He saw his family, his brothers, his father, all these people bowing down. But he would spend years waiting for that to happen. David was anointed as king and yet he found himself in the palace playing a harp for King Saul. Only to find King Saul throwing javelins at that guy. Trying to pin him against the wall. And that would start a years and years and years journey of him hiding in caves. Waiting for the dream to come true. Jesus spent 30 years in the carpenter's shop waiting on three years of ministry. Why do we think we'll be different? God gives you a dream. You commit to that dream. And immediately you're going to go into a delay phase. God is preparing you and it takes time. Hear me today. Delays never destroy God's purpose for your life. Delays are part of His purpose. He's preparing you. Don't sweat the delays in life. One of the marks of Christian maturity is understanding that delay is not a denial. And there is a difference between no and not yet. You know, my kids have a hard time realizing this. I'm up in my office. I'm doing something. I'm involved. And they'll come up and say, hey, dad, can we go here? Can we go to the park? Can we do this? And I'm like, sure, just just give me a few minutes. And it's like they have an immediate meltdown, like a three-year-old in Walmart when you tell them they can't have candy. They just kick and scream. Well, that means we ain't going to go. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm like, no, no, we're going, just not yet. There's a difference. But the common response for people when they get in a delay phase is doubt. Well, I guess I misunderstood God. I guess it wasn't His dream after all. Must have been my own thinking. Must have been the pizza I ate. But one of the ways that God determines our level of faith is by seeing how long we'll wait. Remember the scripture says, according to your faith. According to your faith. Strong faith. Are you willing to wait Are you willing to wait? How long can you wait with a good attitude? That's the question. How long can you wait? Because while you're waiting, God is working. He's moving. He's shifting. But it's about to get real exciting because while you're in the delay phase, there's another phase that kicks in. And this is phase four. This is the difficulty phase. And turn to your neighbor and say, this is the greatest sermon I've ever heard. I am so encouraged today. It's going to get worse, trust me. (laughs) A lot of times we want to do away with these phases, but again, it's the process. If you bail in the middle of the process, you won't receive the promise that God has. There's two kinds of problems that we typically encounter when the difficulty comes. The first one is circumstances. Things just happen you didn't ever dream would happen. 
Things just start to come up. You commit to the dream and Murphy's Law kicks in and Satan wants to cut you short of the process. But if you cut short in the process, you'll never receive the promise God has for you and you won't realize the dream He's got. So you receive the circumstances. Here's the second thing that happens to critics show up. Well, we've never been there before. Man, you're just wasting your time. What's wrong with you? Man, you know that'll never happen. That'll never take place. It'll never go your way. I thought about Moses. Moses had a delay of getting to the promised land. An 11-day walk took 40 years. And all along the way, there was the difficulty. There was no food. There was no water. There were snakes biting people everywhere. Man, one time the ground literally opened up and swallowed a bunch of that crowd. How many of you know that's a difficult time to be living? David was anointed as king, playing the harp, spears going past his head. Joseph wants to rule a great nation. And yet what happens, his brother throws him in a pit. Then they sell him into slavery. He goes to Potiphar's house. And then all of a sudden, Holly Hotifer wants to accuse my brother of something he didn't do. He spends years in prison waiting for the dream to come to pass. Noah's got this headache. He don't know how it's going to happen. Never rang before. The critics are all out there. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. Joshua and Caleb, they're two of the, tw- of the 12 spies. They went out. They viewed the promised land. They come back. Ten spies said, there's no way we can't do it. We can't go in. Joshua and Caleb are like, man, God is well able. Let's go. Let's take it. Let's walk into the promise. And then they tried to stone them, so they had to wait. They had to wait. It's all part of the faith-building process. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, At the present time you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. Let me say that again. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, to test your faith, stretch your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. Why does God allow the delays and the difficulties He's building your faith? He's building your faith. It'd be nice if God would send a text, if God would send an email, if God would just write something in the sky for you to see. This is a test. Don't bail. It's only a test. According to your faith. Some of you are like, well, man, good gracious, we've, we've got a dream and there was the passion, there was desire and, and we made the decision to go after it and now we're sitting here waiting and now we've got all this difficult, all this trouble. But then here comes another phase, phase five. Are you ready? It's the dead end phase. I told you it's going to get great in here. Here's where God takes all the difficulties and the delays and He allows everything to start to deteriorate. And the situation moves from difficult to impossible. Anyone in here this morning facing that? Backs against a corner. You don't know which way to go. You don't know which way is up, which way is down. All your options seem to be exhausted. The situation seems hopeless. You're asking yourself, why do we keep trying? You're in a dead end. Dead end in your career. Dead end in your relationship. Dead end in the business that you had a dream for and wanted to get that thing going. Dead end in your finances. But guess what? When you find yourself in a dead end, congratulations, you're in good company. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. Can anybody identify with that? We were completely overwhelmed 
The burden was more than we can bear. In fact, we told ourselves this was the end. I mean, you know, that's the dead end phase right there. Yet, there's hope. Yet we now believe that we had this sense of impeding disaster. So why? So that we might learn to trust, not in ourselves, but trust in God who what? Can raise the dead. Come on somebody. If God can raise the dead, He can raise a dead marriage. He can raise a dead career. He can raise dead finances. We serve a God who specializes in resurrections. Dead ends come, but we have to trust in God. Abraham has this dream that he's going to have a son. It's going to be a great nation. And God waited till Abraham was 99 years old. He says, hey, you're going to have a son. And here's Abraham, and he's hearing this, and, and his wife Sarah's in there. And she's like, man, that old guy, this ain't going to happen. She's laughing. And Abraham looked at his 99-year-old body, and he's like, no way. He looked at his wife's 90-year-old body. He's like, double no way. But then when she had that son, my brother was like, holla. Come on. He was taking credit for it, but he couldn't. Why? Because it was all God. God will often let problems and possibilities happen in your life so that when they happen, you can't take credit for it, but God can. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. Not you. Jesus was crucified. He was buried. The disciples said, man, it's over. Let's walk away. Peter said, man, I'm going fishing. That wasn't a dream. That was a nightmare. That was a dead end. Most people in this faith start asking, man, I don't know. Is there really even a God? Does, does all this faith stuff work? Maybe I miss God. Maybe we took a wrong term. The dream is for others, but it's not for me. God brought me this far just to drop me off. We start saying all of that. But here's what you have to understand. You are exactly where God wants you to be. Moses is sitting there and the delays, the difficulties, and he's finally free, man. They're walking out and they've got a praise band going. His sister's leading the worship and they're they're shouting and it's amazing and it's great. Only to find themselves right up against the Red Sea, turning around looking, and here comes Pharaoh, chariots, horses, warriors, men to slaughter them all. It's God's cul-de-sac. What's going to happen? We're in a dead end. Critics are saying, you've gotten us into this. We would have been better off in Egypt as slaves. How many of you know some people would rather stay in slavery than live in freedom because they got to change a little bit? Some of you, God's given you a dream. You decided to go after that dream. The delays, the difficulties, the dead end has come. And now you're second guessing God. But hear me, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Because when you get to this phase, the dead end phase, you are on the verge of phase six. Phase six is what? It is the deliverance phase. This is where God shows up. This is where God does the miracle. This is where God provides the solution. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. He has delivered us and what? He will deliver us again. 
This is where it gets exciting. This is where Moses stands and Charleston Heston is there and he raises the rod and the Red Sea splits and everybody walks over. This is where Noah, who's been floating on this zoo, finally gets out on dry ground. This is where Joseph immediately gets out of prison and is, and is, is raised up to second in command. This is where Jesus, who was crucified three days in the grave, and yet he comes bouncing out of the tomb three days later. This is where God wants you because he's turning a crucifixion into a resurrection for your life. Impossibilities are opportunities waiting to happen. Let me say that again. Impossibilities are opportunities waiting to happen. Man's impossibilities are God's opportunity to show His glory and His greatness. And the end result is the dream becomes a reality. Becomes a reality. And here's the thing. Your faith is stretched. Your faith starts growing. The muscle starts strengthening. So the next dream that comes about is going to be bigger and better. Because you are willing to go through the phases. You know, I'm oftentimes asked, Pastor, what, what is the best response to a dead-end phase? Let me give you one more scripture today. Psalms chapter 27, verse 13. I am what? Expecting. Say that again. I am. One more time to get it in your spirit. I am. I'm expecting the Lord to do what? Rescue me. Not just one time. It's a phase. It's, it's, a, it's the process. These are the phases. Rescue me again. So that once again, I'll see his goodness to me. According to your faith. So where are you at? We've been on this journey. It's the year of the Bible. It's the year of going deeper and finding the sweet spot in God. Where are you at? God's speaking into your heart. You know He speaks. You've, you've listened to the ways He speaks. You've, you've positioned yourself. You've run them through the seven filters. And now it's up to you to step out in faith. Wouldn't it be so easy if we could just step right into the dream? You know, disciples really wanted to do that. They were like, Jesus, man, what's going on? You, I mean, you're halfway here, halfway. You're telling us these parables. I mean, what? Just give it to us. And Jesus in there makes a comment. He says, I've got so much to tell you, but you can't handle it. Your brain will cramp if I give it all to you at one time. So he says, hey, I've got, I've got to take you through a process that's going to strengthen your faith so when you come out of the other side, number one, you're going to realize it was me and I'm going to get the glory. And your faith is going to be strengthened to the point where I can in the future give you a bigger dream that's far beyond anything else you can dream or even imagine. So where are you at? Where are you at in the process? 
For some of you, you, you've been coming into the church and you're coming in and, oh man, this is great. This is, man, this is the best thing since sliced bread because we're in Smithfield, amen? And it's great. But now it's time to make a commitment. It's time to step out in faith. Is God calling you? I had someone to tell me a couple weeks ago, walking out, like, man, pastor. Dude, I I don't know. I just feel something every time I come in here. I I don't know what it is. I said, could it be that God's trying to hook up with you? Connect with you? Could be. So here's the first step into recognizing and receiving God's voice and God's word into your heart is, is accepting Him as your Savior. See, that's, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. There's a dream in your life that says, hey, God says, hey, you know what? I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. Let me take you on a journey. Let me build a relationship with you. Let me do something in your life that is far beyond anything you could dream or even imagine. Let, let me do that. And for some of you, that's where you are. So stand with me all over the house. God wants to hook up with you. For some of you, you're in here and you said, man, I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And you know what your next step needs to be? Your next step needs to be get water baptized. Which February the 9th, we're having a baptismal service right here. Just go online, sign up for that. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to do all that online stuff and all that. You know what? Hook up with one of our hospitality ladies, our VIP ladies out there in the foyer. Come see me. We will will get you down there. We'll hook you up. February the 9th, baptismal service. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe for some of you in here, you say, man, I've been saved. I've been baptized. But I just feel like there's something more. Guess what? There is. Maybe you need to step up and serve. Maybe you just need to say, hey, you know what? I, man, God's gifted me with so many talents and so many abilities. How, how can I serve? How, how can I get involved? How can I be a part? Maybe some of you need to get involved in a bridge group. Our bridge groups start up next week. Start up the 1st of February. If you hadn't signed up for one, man, go online. Sign up for that bridge group. God never intended for us to do life alone. But to have a community of believers around us. So what's your next step? Where are you at? God is speaking. Have you positioned yourself to hear Him? Have you opened your heart to Him? And if you say, yes, I've done that, well, have you run it through the seven filters? And have you been willing to step out in faith? So Father, we love you today and we thank you. Father, we know that these moments are precious. Because we're in your presence. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to hear from you, to experience you. And Lord, I know that right now you're, you're speaking to hearts. Right now there are dreams being birthed in the hearts of your people all over this place. God, help us to step out in faith. Help us to go back to you. Will you bow your heads with me all over the house? Remember I told you that 
All of this starts with you being willing to make the greatest step of faith you'll ever make in your life, and that is to open your heart to Him. To receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. And to say, God, I'm tired of doing life alone. I want to resign as CEO of my life, and I want to accept You. So if you're in the house today, and you say, Pastor, man, I've, I've been feeling something in here, and I'm ready to open up. I'm ready to give it all to Jesus Christ. If that describes you, could you just slip a hand up all over the house and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to go all in. He sees the hands. He sees the hands. I'm going to go all in. I'm tired of doing life alone. Come on, look at me real quick. Guys, you know what we do around here. We do this as a family. So let's pray this aloud. Lord Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I ask you now to come into my heart to wash me clean. Forgive me of my sins. Father, give me a dream. Give me a vision. Strengthen my faith in the process so that I don't bail on you. God, I give you everything I've got today. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody in the house said amen. Give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can in the house today. In the seat back in front of you, there's...